It's road rift time. Low tire pressure. We just filled those up. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Uh, I just pulled Elise, my amazing, Elise Rich, my amazing podcast producer, um, earlier this week that I would have an episode for y'all on Sunday. And here it is, Sunday morning. And um, I had two ideas for episodes, and I've had some really interesting, unusual... Let me take out my earring because we know that will make noise. Um, I've had some really interesting and unusual resistance around content creation. And so Elise and I usually kind of stay in text update about whether or not I'm dropping her a last-minute episode to get published on Sunday. This will not go out on Sunday. And I let her know that I didn't have an episode for her this morning, but that I had a road riff episode, that I was driving into town um, to go have lunch, brunch with a colleague friend, and that I would have a road riff. And she was like, yay, I love road riffs. And I asked her, I said, if you don't mind, let me know what's, you know, what you like about it. And she, I don't remember the exact words that I'm driving, so I can't look it up right now, but there was something about being more relaxed. It was stream of consciousness with a purpose and more at ease. And wow, when I read her words, that felt so true. It felt so true. And that's one of the things I want to be this year. I want to be more at ease. I don't necessarily need things to be easy, but I want to be more at ease from the inside. Like, that's one of the core goals of how and who I want to be. And, And that makes me realize yesterday I heard, I'm just going to go where my head goes. Yesterday I was thinking about sharing with y'all an episode about things I've learned from Gabor Mate. And I probably could road riff just on that, but I really was, like, trying to get it all organized and make a picture for you. Um, And why is that connected? Oh, I watch a lot of Gabor Mate interviews on YouTube. I love watching YouTubes. I watch YouTubes in the mornings. I used to listen to podcasts in the mornings, but... When I get ready, I kind of, I'm getting ready, I'm doing my skincare, I'm cleaning up my bedroom, sometimes, sometimes my husband does it, but I like to have um, YouTube on the TV, and I usually pick an interview and I start listening to it, and then I'll finish listening to the room, and over the last couple of days, I over the last week, I listened to a two-hour long, like one of the best interviews I've ever heard with Gabor Mate that was just so real and authentic between him and the guy that led it. Um, It's two hours long, and I was like, God, I wish I could be in the room with my people and my friends and the people who love this stuff, and we could watch this together and have conversations about it because it was so impactful. And part of me is like wants to hoard all that out, but it's the diary of a CEO uh, conversation with Gabor Mate, and I'm going to go, I've listened to it once, and I'm going to go back and listen to it and just take notes with real intention, because it was so good, and a lot of things I've heard before, but just powerful, and I love how Gabor Mate, um, I just, I love how he's real, as y'all know, my experience of the world is, is that I have not had many mentors or teachers that were honest from the stage 
about the things they struggle with, about the ways that they're still practicing exactly what they're teaching. Um, you know, I was called authentic before authentic was cool. I actually got in trouble at my old office all the time. I hate that, right? Like, that's actually a part that called it got in trouble. If I had known what I know now, the adult in me would never have let the teenager in me or kid in me get in trouble at my old company. Anyways, um, what did I hear that I wanted to share with y'all? And it actually wasn't Gabor Mate, but it was that made me think of my YouTube videos, and my YouTube videos made me think of this guy that talked about the difference between ego and confidence. Here's a good little bite for you. And I can't remember if this was an IFS thing or not, or somebody who was familiar with IFS. Maybe it was Gabor Mate. At some point, all this stuff jumbles together in my brain. But he was talking about ego comes from outside. And genuine confidence comes from the inside. So someone can act with bravado from the outside, and confidence is coming from the inside. And I feel like this journey of my life, I spent the first, 48 years of my life unconsciously building myself from the outside in because that's what I was trained to do. All my coping mechanisms reached out, denying any of my preferences. That's what my socializing, that's what my conditioning, and that's how my personal biology did. So recovering people pleasers, you might be the same way. Um, recovering over-functioners, you might be the same way. Recovering either anxious or avoidant attachment people, you might be the same way, where, you know, the way we move through the world is feeling, is it safe? Is everybody moves through the world feeling, is it safe or not? But the way we coped with it, the coping mechanisms that worked with for us, were the take care of everybody else, please, do good, be good, where our identities are good from the outside in. And at some point, that is not sustainable. And so I've been on this journey of um, self-leadership. I, Y'all know I love internal family systems and the concept of self and parts and personifying these parts and getting to know them has... You know, there are so many things that we say that have been life-changing, but it's definitely been perspective-changing. It has been life-changing. It is identity-changing. And I am building something from the inside out. Um, many, many, many layers of my, my coping mechanisms have softened and healed. I am becoming more boundaried. I am more grounded. Ease, right? Like, I am feeling more ease. Now, listen, I also still struggle. <laughs> Another thing I heard this week, I think it was on TikTok. If y'all don't know, I love TikTok. And I feel so awkward over there, but if you're on TikTok and you follow me, anytime you can leave a comment or watch um, longer than 60 seconds of my videos, it helps me. It really does help me. For the first time ever, y'all, I've been creating content since 2008 on social media. And for the first time ever, without selling you some fucking product, but by just being me and creating content, TikTok is now starting to pay me. I've only made $5, <laughs> but I don't have to, like, be what I call the dancing monkey. I can just be me and share the way I've always shared 
and I can share my work content or I can just share today. I shared something about becoming a grandmother and loving the wisdom of that, but also feeling weird about looking like a grandmother. I kind of look like a grandmother right now. And TikTok paid me. So this is just a shout out to let you know that for the first time ever, your comments and your watching for longer than 60 seconds actually put a few pennies in my tip jar. Oh, my goodness. Um, so on TikTok, this guy was talking about he's a ADD autism coach, and he was talking about, and he had some term for it. I don't know the scientific term, but he was talking about the way we overthink things. And I know many of my people are also fellow overthinkers. And overthinking is the way that I am wired. It is not a psychological failure. Okay? It's the way that I'm wired. The way that this little body and this little human being and her mind, body, spirit navigated the world within her biology, right? So the biology of the way we work and the chemistry equations and the science of psychology is such a huge awareness for me in the last two years of what I call the math equation or the chemistry equation. And I'm unraveling from this toxic individualism mindset that we've all been taught, especially in the personal growth world and personal transformation. And so I'm going to back. I know that Gabor Mate's most recent book, uh, the myth of normal, the concept of the myth of normal is, you know, we're all, we're all, sorry, I just got a text and it surprised me. Um, we're all feeling like we're crazy, but the world we're living in is crazy. Like the response that we all as human beings, that we're having to late stage capitalism and lack of community and an excess of information and all the other things that bother humanity in this day and age in this modern society, that's not normal. And our bio bodies, our physiology wasn't made. And I remember hearing one time somebody talk about 12, it takes 12 years to, for change to adapt in our societies. And these days, so like when fax machines came out, it took people 12 years to really like integrate. And I don't mean just use it. I mean like it become normal, which means it's no longer a unconscious threat because it's something new we're using. And, you know, you put out, I, I mean, I bought, I bought an iPhone 15 uh, for Christmas with my Christmas money and traded in my phone. And already the iPhone 15 is obsolete. Like the change is, it's not just about having the latest and greatest, but like our bodies weren't made for this much information. And so his concept is, you know, that the world is not normal. And so, you know, the last few years and especially the last year and going forward, my coaching and my personal development will not deny the fact that we are not independent of the systems we live within. And I realize that 
I, the systems that we're in, and then you add religion and personal development on top of that, and there are good and bad things of both. Good and bad is not the right word. Helpful and unhelpful, but there's a lot of unhelpful. And the unhelpful of toxic individualism, uh, it's all within us, is bullshit. And yet it feels so good. It feels so empowering to believe that we have that much control. And the more I think into being human just as an experience, but then also the more I understand about the science and biology of being human, it is shattering some... It is shattering a lot of the stories that I wanted to believe, that I wanted to believe. Um, I think some of my friends that knew me from my spiritual years look at me when I say, you know, I'm not into this and I'm not into that, and they look at me with their eyes all, you know, and I have reasons, and I'm open to conversation. Ooh, let me take a sip of my drink. I noticed it just felt... I felt a part of me that just wants to be liked and loved, right? That Those are those old parts. And I, I am going to go ahead and do this work right now in the moment out loud and take a breath and a sip of my green juice. And I'm going to remind all those parts that I'm here for them. God, what human doesn't want to be loved and cared for? And that I will always love and care for them, even if people think that I'm cynical or negative or you know, defying all these metaphysical, spiritual teachings and that I will never leave the parts of me. I will never leave me. I will be here for me. Um, Yeah, so any of you know that going through a big change and a big identity shift, right, it comes with some rejection. It comes with both the rejection of me and me rejecting other people. I have terminated and closed out friendships that no longer resonate, that are not healthy for me. I have I have changed a lot of things and and but I've had to look at my identity as a good person and then my identity as a responsible person. And I am no in no way saying be a victim of what the world gives us. And I'm saying that it's a both and, right? Like, I can be responsible for as much as I can be responsible for, but I cannot be responsible for what I cannot be responsible for. And I'll share with y'all, you know, I have a a 20, she's about to be 22 or 23, I can't even keep straight anymore. My niece niece has a genetic mutation that um, her... um, disease is, it's not a disease, it's a condition, a genetic mutation of her X chromosome called Rett syndrome. And this is a super extreme example. And I can see examples that aren't this obvious in everyday life in the coaching industry and in the wellness industry. So Blythe literally has, I remember when she got genetic testing and they showed us this sciency picture of her X chromosome and there was a little piece on there glowing and they were like this is the place where she has a genetic disorder and um, 
that genetic disorder, she, it, there's a whole bunch of symptoms to it, but she, her language regressed, her muscle tone regressed. Um, she is able to walk miraculously. They thought she would never walk. She does walk, but she also uses a wheelchair. Um, she is not able to, um, she uses a feeding tube. Um, it's, it's, She's only able to walk when somebody can, at this, you know, she's really tall now and she's an adult, and if she falls and hits her head, it could kill her. So that's why she uses a wheelchair. She does not have verbal language. She does communicate with the computer, and it's still a language you have to decipher because a lot of times the words are delayed or the words are, um, you know, she has a disability. She is disabled. And early on, there were members from my sister's church that were like, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, she will be healed. And that is so dangerous and damaging and toxic. It's, it's so, and whether it's faith or whether we're talking quantum physics, um, I'm just not here for it. Um, and I'll never forget hearing hearing a colleague say about their ADD. Because when I got diagnosed with ADD, a lot of things made sense. And imagine, this is kind of what the theme of this podcast is. I am unraveling the being so hard on myself, except for, y'all, I have been hard on myself my entire life but it is my heart on myself I actually asked my therapist a while back back in December or November I took some time off from therapy um, and I asked him I was like hey what would you say the theme of our last two and a half three years of work with is like what themes do you pick up I know what I bring and what I see from my perspective and he was like well I see that you are really hard on yourself. And I was taken aback, y'all. I was like, what are you talking about? Because I don't use directly mean language to myself. I don't say things like, you know, the the proverbial inner critic, like you're doing it wrong or, you know, calling myself name. I don't do that. But I sat and listened to him and I realized, oh, my gosh. My heart on myself parts, those protectors use very uplifting, positive, encouraging language, and they are relentless. They remind me of, like, a character in British historical fiction, how the grandmother is always acting so pious and loving, but she's really hard and evil. And I realized, even with this podcast, is a good example of ways that I'm so hard on myself, the ways that I have certain parts of myself that are trying so hard. And they want to be good, and they want to be good at what they do. And then they get really frustrated when something is hard for me. And when I say hard... It's usually not a technical aspect. It's usually a capacity or energy aspect, or it's a cognitive thinking executive function aspect. And those are absolutely parts of having 
ADHD, and then I can't remember if I told y'all in the last um, in the last podcast or not, but it was fascinating to find out I I have my own genetic mutation of my vitamin D receptor. I have a mutation from my mom and from my dad. My vitamin D receptors do not function at full efficiency. And when you Google search vitamin D deficiency, that is directly linked to dopamine deficiency and energy and vitality. And all of these symptoms are the exact same symptoms of depression. And when I saw that, I recognized, I was like, oh my gosh, my body chemistry default, like the baseline of my body chemistry is depression. And, or not depression, but is all these symptoms of low vitamin D. And so I can do all this inner work. I think I even have some podcasts. I need to listen to them and see if I still believe in them. Like, I can do all this inner work. And I can do inner work with depressed parts. I definitely have depressed parts. But I can do all this inner work, and it's never going to change whether or not my vitamin D receptors work. In the same way, no prayer is going to undo a genetic mutation for my niece. And to excommunicate or shun my sister and her family because they sought medical help is fucking insane. And again, that's an extreme story, but I see that all the time. Like the shame of people being with their true human biology, psychology, and not changing their mindset, right? I remember I had a friend who used to call it the mindset police. Oh, don't say, don't say anything about aging. And so that's another one. I've had a couple of friends, God bless them, they have the right to do whatever they want, but I'm not on board with it. And they're like, I'm not going to age. And um, I'm like, okay, good luck with that, right? Like, Like your mind can stop your body biology. And um. I guess the only way to stop yourself from aging is actually die. And that's certainly not something I'm going to wish on myself. I'm not afraid of death. Anyways, this, this humanness. And, it, and what the more I embrace the difficult reality, the science, these, these measurable things, the more ease I have with the unmeasurable. And so this friend of mine said, I'm not broken. I'm just different. Right? I'm just, just the way I'm built is different. And we are learning a lot more about how we're built. Another random thing that I don't have enough research to go into, but y'all, microplastics are in everything. And those are affecting our endocrine system in our bodies. And so we're trying to do mindset things and inner work coaching to heal something that is screwing with the miraculous ways that our body works. Right, so we're not independent of the systems that we live in. It just doesn't work that way. We're all not only are we all as living beings connected, but we are also connected to the systems. Now, my goal is, you know, I like the saying, "Be in the world, not of the world." But the more I can actually see the systems, the more that I can navigate within the system. The more I can, I can really pick and choose and create. I can really pick and choose and create. And so with my vitamin D stuff, I have, working with my doctor, 
a both physical and supplemental and dietary way to make some impact on that. Okay, so back to this wiring, right? Like trying, how many of you try so hard you don't even realize you're trying hard? Yesterday was Saturday, and I got up, and I did my morning routine, and I went to my desk, and I just didn't have any, like, why am I getting up on Saturday and going to my desk? And it took me about half the day, you know, I was like, oh, I should do my podcast, you know, all these other things, and it's a real lighthearted should, but there's still a should in there. And there are times when I absolutely enjoy being at my desk. And yes, it's a routine. But my head was stronger than my body. And my body was saying, there's nothing you have to do today. And at one point in the day, it was funny because I I put on my tennis shoes every single morning. It's just I feel better when I'm fully dressed. I put on my tennis shoes as a part of that. Um, And putting on my tennis shoes, like I just feel up and at them and ready to go. And sometimes... While I'm laying on my bed, um, I don't, not in bed, but on my bed or sitting on my bed, I still have my shoes on. And I know that might gross some of you out. And in Texas, we don't have, like, we don't, we don't have a bedroom. We don't take our shoes off when we come in the house. That's not our Texas cultural, right? You're, like, not necessarily independent of the system. That's just not our culture. So shoes are on. I'm laying on bed. And at some point, it was like, I don't want to take my shoes off because I may go get on my treadmill later. And I could just hear, I, I've been listening to my body more independent of my head, right? Because my head speaks so strongly. I am wired, and where little Allison went for safety was her head in solving problems. And that is what subconsciously is happening. And so why my head is always overthinking and always looking for certainty and always looking for a solution and has found a lot of solutions. But as I do this self and parts work and I recognize that all thinking is parts and remember parts are not necessarily bad, but is there, is there, is motive up to date, right? Is, is there, you know, their job, was necessary at the time it was formed, and do we need to update them? And so what I have been learning to do without actually realizing that I was doing it is is listen to my body. And it's interesting that I'm not observing my body, which is something we're always taught, like awareness and observation, and a lot of times, I have to ask my aware and observing part to step aside. And I have to, when I say listen, I'm not listening to words, but I'm listening to not only the physical sensations, but trusting what those physical sensations mean for me. And so I have, I realized over the last year that I have a very specific way my body says no. And it is a very physical sensation, and I have learned the language of my body. Your body may say no in a totally different way. I shout out to my college friend. Her name was Christine, and we used to play um, this little line game. It's way before all this technology, and we actually did things with other human beings on a regular basis. And we would play this line game, and my friend, poor Christine, she had what we call a tell. When she 
pulled a lie, even a playful fib, it wasn't a harmful lie in the middle of this game, her eyebrow would twitch. Like her body would give her away, right? And so I've been paying more attention to the sensations of my body, what those sensations mean. I've been more curious about my body. I've been more curious about, you know, things like my shoulders. Is this purely clinical and physical or is there an emotional component to it? There are some times when I get the sensation that something is purely clinical and sometimes when I get the, when I say sensation, I mean there's a physical sensation and there's my interpretation, my intuitive knowing of that. And um, so like my shoulders are partly, my frozen shoulder, I like one of them is frozen and one of them is freezing. Um, so far, I've been able to stave off the other one, but that is partly due to a massive estrogen drop, and I'm working with my doctor with that, and um, it's not it's not an injury, and I also have some burden, psychological burden, some old parts of me that are hanging out around responsibility and burden in my shoulders, so this one is a combo thing, right? So it's not just, oh, let's do this inner work and heal it. It's a combination of doing the inner work and listening to those parts and hearing the burdens of the ones that carry the responsibility, but it's also adjusting my diet and my lifestyle and my hormones um, to support these things. So ease. It's really hard to experience ease when we're being so hard, when we're letting hard on our part, hard, hard on ourselves parts run the show. And yet, that is, you know, a lot of us have achieved great things because we're hard on ourselves. And so I just want to acknowledge there's a, there's a nuanced line. This is not either or. And I shifted the name of the Wild Edges of Being Human, the podcast name. I had changed it to the Wild Edge of Being Human, and I added the S officially. And I added the S officially because there's not just one edge. And oftentimes, we're not even in just a polarity of either or or both and. We're in a really nuanced space. And having to believe one thing or another, which there's a lot of places I still do, Um, but allowing for nuance, allowing that there may be so many elements that no matter how scientific my brain gets or how much information I know, I may be missing context. I may be missing information that completes the picture. And where the spiritual piece comes in is to the surrendering of the unknown, the surrendering of the lack of certainty. And one of the most... um, connected I feel to spirit, universe, God is when I see literal photographs of the universe because in those photographs I see both order and chaos. And I feel like my life and your life and our lives here on human as humans, there is so much order and there is so much we can't control and there is so much we cannot control. And on top of what we cannot and, and can control, we need massive, massive more doses of self-compassion and compassion and care for others, independent of what the hell is going on. (laughs) 
anyway, my um, my ADD autism guy was talking about overthinking, and he was talking about how much work it takes. He didn't use the term overthinking. He used some other probably more clinical term, and I never realized the amount of energy it takes for me to corral my thinking. And my thinking is always, it's like ping pong ball marbled. And I told my writing group peers the other day and friends, I was like, I feel like I am lugging around a bunch of marbles. Imagine a pillowcase full of marbles, like a king-sized pillowcase full of marbles. And then my to get ready to create something for work or to do a podcast, I have to put all those marbles on the table outside of the pillowcase. And I have to corral these marbles that roll this way and that way. And even if I get everything still, then something will happen and I'll bump the desk and marbles will go spilling. And that was the image that came to my mind that describes the effort. And that effort consumes energy. And when it is hard, my conditioned protective response is some version of you're doing it wrong, this shouldn't be so hard, right? But the more I recognize that one of the interesting things that I've seen in the science around autism and ADD is the concept of synapse pruning and that our synapses, which are the receptors at the end of our nerves that take in information from the outside world, when certain synapses are not used in neurotypical people, those synapses prune, and, and so they're cut off. And you can Google image search and see a picture of an autistic brain and a neurotypical brain, and the neurotypical, it looks like a tree branch. And the tree branch that looks trimmed and with fewer leaves and fewer, you know, is the neurotypical brain. And the neurodivergent brain um, has way more sensory receptors. And so that mental load, allostatic load, Highly sensitive people. And even although all these things are happening in our brain, they take and consume physical energy. And then we have a response to them and to manage that response consciously instead of automatically, right? And so for me, the conscious response is, you know, I am working with and having compassion and holding space for the very hard on me part and then when I those parts relax I have other parts that come in and say well if you're not hard on you you'll get nothing done and you'll turn into a lump of coal or a blob on the couch and there's elements of that that are true if I'm not so shameful and hard on myself I very well may produce less but why was I producing in the first place Right, and so then, you know, to to soothe and take care of this one part of me 
it brings up a whole entire other part of the conversation. I know, this sounds so fun. Don't you want to come work with me and have these really, you know, complex, multi-layered parts for conversations? And what's happening is, through time on task, spending time with me, spending time with these parts and whoever comes up, and just doing the imperfect work from this lens is... I don't necessarily see the Amazon Prime results, but I look up and all of a sudden I am more compassionate with myself and my body feels stronger and there is more space cleared and I'm able to notice more quickly when I'm not, you know, quote, in alignment or when I'm not self-led and instead of shaming myself. Like, it's interesting to watch. It's like, you know, it's like if you're lifting weights for a muscle memory you know, you go look in the mirror and you don't see a change, but over time, you do see a change, and over time, I have definitely felt more strong, and it's interesting because the boundaries that I've been having in my life of what I'm available for and what I'm not available for have shown up organically from the inside out through confidence, not ego, right? Like that guy said, ego is from the outside in. Ego is the way the outside world taught me versus the muscle memory from the inside out. And I've done so much, you know, unconscious growth and learning and been in the petri dish of all the things I'm supposed to do instead of getting to know my inner wisdom. It's interesting, you know, I wrote this book called Unarmored, and I had certain parts of me that were like, you cannot write a book about being unarmored because now you're exposed. If you don't protect your heart, you don't guard your heart. And an armored is not just about willy-nilly taking off the armor and leaving yourself exposed to be abused. And those of us who have been chronic overgivers, overdoers, people pleasers, that we act, you know, I am seeing places where I accidentally, I did not know. But now I can see that I took on emotional responsibility for things that were not mine to take on, which is very different from supporting somebody, right? And it's, it's the term over-functioning. And frankly, the word over-functioning, when I first saw that word, I'd never seen it before. And then I saw under-functioning. And hi, my name's Allison. I'm a recovering over-functioner. That is, that that led me to the person I worked with that led me to IFS. So, and I don't use that word as a um, label of pathology or diagnosis. I use that as a descriptor for the coping mechanisms that ran my life that are no longer helpful. And as I've done this work, what's happened is that line has moved and I am more boundaries from the inside out, right? How many of us have been like, I know this in my head, but I'm not able to make a different decision. Like our bodies, our bodies are going to make a different decision than our heads will. We can have the cognitive knowledge. I mean, this is one thing I've heard people say in the entirety of my coaching career for sure. I know what to do in my head, but I don't do it, right? There's something in between those two things. Well, it's it's that external source of power versus the internal source of power. 
the muscles and our muscle memory for external responses, creating a life from that external place, is so different than building the internal. And to build the internal and make space for that, we have to comfort and soothe and work with those parts of us, the muscle memory that has been developed in a way that no longer serves Okay, let me pause, take a drink, and check in. I know this is getting long. I want to thank you all for listening. I know it had been so long since I had done a podcast. And, you know, I'm not a super stats checker. I'm a, every once in a while, I'm like, oh, yeah, there might be stats. I wondered how many listens. And actually, before I recorded this, you realize that just in the last three days, not in the last week, I didn't, I didn't even click the button to see all week long, but in the last 303 days, a thousand of you listened to this podcast? What the what? I have no idea who is listening to this podcast. And it made me think, this is how my brain works. It was like, oh, you should create a little form and take a survey from your podcast people or have some form where they can do all these other things. And my brain immediately got tired. But then I did have like this still, small, calm, peaceful inner voice that said, you know, you could get help with that. You don't have to do it all yourself. And so, um, last year when I closed down my membership program, I also um, told Amber, who was my assistant at the time, that I was uh, going to pull back from a lot of my expenses in my business. And I'm bringing her back on slowly, um, starting with Camp Cultivate. That reminds me, Camp Cultivate is coming up. The tickets are for sale. Um, I don't know that there's a link to my website, but there is a link on Facebook, and I'm sending out to my email list. Um, I'll have to put that on my website. I'll have to remember to do that. Um, but if you'd like to talk about coming to Camp Cultivate, um, I would be happy to visit with you about it. Um, there are eight spots left. It's a small group this year, 22 people. And I'm getting super excited. You know, I know that sometimes my brain and my thinking parts get really overwhelmed and distracted by the things I'm not a gift at. And what I am gifted at is creating the container and being in the container with y'all and managing the energy and conversation and the coaching and then the space and the play in between. It is truly magical and like nothing you've ever been to. So, um, and it's, you know, it's a hefty price tag. It's not, um, for those of you that are business owners, I'll throw some business in there so you can um, deduct it as personal and professional development by all means. And most of the people in the room are uh, business owners or professionals. Um, yeah. also have a couple of spots on my coaching roster right now as of the recording of this. My prices are lower than they have been in probably 15 years, maybe even ever. Are my prices actually the lowest they've ever been? I I lowered my prices for a while. I am still loving one-on-one work. I'm still loving one-on-one work. And I miss community and group work. If you're interested in community work, um, group work, you know, maybe one call a week for a community, let me know. Send me an email. Send me a text. Send me a message. Let me know that's something that you would be interested in. Um, 
I, I definitely would like to pick that up again. I'm still figuring out my own internal boundaries around that. But I just want to thank you, audience, you listeners. This one, this, this is a road rip. The only people that will hear this are the people that hear it on the podcast. Right? And so you, with me in your ears, I just wanted to say thank you, thank you. I appreciate you for listening. I appreciate you for sharing with friends. Um, I appreciate that somehow, <laughs> you know, one of my little hard on me parts, there's all these things you learn when you're growing up and presenting in leadership is like you should be concise and you should have this one, two, three. And that's probably why I'm not a Mel Robbins popular. I'm a little weird. I talk in circles. Um, but you, if your ears are still in here at the end of this podcast, you get me, and that matters, and I appreciate it. Let me know. Here's another thing I need to let to find out from you. I'd love to find out. What would you like me to do episodes on? Tell me. What would be an interesting topic? And it can be anything in life and biz. Anything in life and biz. Let me know. Um, I have clients that are working on parenting stuff. I am not an expert about parenting. I do have an intention to bring a couple of IFS people. I want to bring um, a colleague on that talks about um, IFS with an autistic um, and ADHD lens. Um, I want to invite Seth Kolpal, who wrote, he does, He's an IFS practitioner also, and he wrote Self-Led, and there's Parenting, Business, a couple more, like, layperson topics for IFS in there. Um, Let me know what questions you have, and I would love to share content that you would be jazzed to hear. In the meantime, I am sending you so much love, and I am sending you ease for the hard world we live in. You don't have to pretend that it's not a challenge. You don't have to pretend it's me. And I am sending you internal ease and peace to your parts and compassion to all parts of you and so much appreciation for you and your parts that listen to this show, the wild edges of being human. 